Hey, what's good, people? This is episode 64. This is Sports Debate Tuesday, man. We are back. It's the only damn thing I'm doing this week. It's also brought to you by Cali Bear. We're going to get into our sponsors. I'm going to do a pre-recorded thing later in the future episodes. But for now, let's get ready. The episode starts right now. Hated I love at the underdogs on top. And I'm gonna shine, homie, until my heart stops. Go ahead, envy me. I'm Raps MVP. And I ain't going nowhere, so you should get to know me. Do you see this big-ass glass, Rob? This I got my Pedialyte pop in there. I got my strawberries. I got my watermelon. What else is in there is not everybody's business. But nonetheless, we are here. Let me do introductions, and I'm going to tell you why I'm so happy, my dude. All right. Welcome, everybody. This is episode 64. This is Sports Debate Tuesday, along with my man, Rob. Keep it. McLean. McLean, I am Jason DeBeers, your hostess with the mostest. And why am I happy today, Rob? Because I sat here and got all crabby about my disappointment on how the U.S. teams were playing in Cancun. And last week, they hit back. They hit back. Sponsor and Clays over Duda and Agatha. Kerry and Brooke over, over Rebecca and Anna Patricia. You know, Taylor Crab, Trevor Crab, man. They you wanna talk about difficulty of schedule? How many times they gotta play Krasilnikov and Lupo and all these guys and how many of these guys, how many of these guys do you have to beat? So we're gonna talk about a lot of things. We're gonna talk about uh, of course um amazing no-name card last week on on from the UFC. I only had time to watch three the, the big three events. Prohaska is a problem. We're gonna talk about that. Of course, we got to shame or not to shame. You guys are gonna love that, but first things first. Last Thursday. NFL draft, man. I was so ingratiated in Cancun, Rob, uh, and, and what was going on because it was the last shebang. It was the last tournament of a three-week series. I was like, there's a draft. Do I care? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So skipping all the nonsense, Rob, we're going to get right to, to, to brass tacks on this. Which draft pick surprised you the most? Uh, as far as where they placed and where they got picked up, and where did what which one didn't surprise you at all? Well, and this is probably what th- three years in a row now. I- I'm going to have to go with the Raiders <laughs> with Alex Leatherwood as their number one overall pick, or as their 17th overall pick. And man, oof, that guy could he could have picked him up in the second round. They could have traded up for him in the second round. They could have even picked him up in the third round. Uh, and they go ahead and pick him up in the first. So he, he, he projects as a guard. Uh, there's no reason to, to waste a first-round pick on a guard. And the amount of players that they had at that position, um, along with the you know draft capital, they could move up. Um, but they ended up picking up Alex Leatherwood. I think it was a terrible choice, and it was surprising in a very mundane way. So that was my most surprising. Uh, least surprising, or do you want to go to your most surprising? Well, my most surprising, I mean, well, first of all, I just want to salute Pittsburgh for going um, Najee Harris running back. I mean, no, no one wants to draft a running back because nobody wants to pay running backs because they think they're expendable. And But there's some running backs that, um, they, some running backs love them some contact and some of them just, just know when to slide and when to, you know, take his little contact. This guy's it's durable, man. He's durable. And that Pittsburgh Steelers, they needed a running back desperately, so big up to them. So my big surprise is how far down Mac Jones went. 
Mac Jones, everybody, all the experts were talking about how Mac Jones was going to be the number three pick. And as we're going through this list, man, man, in fact, let's just go to it. I'm a scroll, man. This is according to Wikipedia or any other, any page I could have went. Mac Jones drops all the way down to 15, all the way to 15. By the way, great pickup by uh, the Bears, Justin Fields. So what kind of red flags did this guy have that makes him, you know, uh, well, for me, Listen, in the beginning, 15 was the right pick to begin with. I didn't see, I mean, he was on a team that was stacked that looked like my cat could coach, okay? So, but as I started watching these sports channels every day, ESPN, Fox, or whatever, Mac Jones, 49ers are going to pick up Mac Jones. Oh, Mac, oh Garoppolo is going to be replaced by Mac Jones. Mac Jones this, Mac Jones that. So the whole time I'm like, I guess if he, go, if he drops down where I think he is, I, I have to be surprised. So... It's really weird because I feel like my answer is two and one. I'm not surprised he's there, but I'm surprised that they put me through all that <laughs> just for him to drop to 16. I mean, I thought he's going to drop down to 18, honestly. And I thought that, you know, um, maybe the Dolphins would trade up or, you know, because they had someone. But, yeah, I got to go with Mac Jones. So which one didn't surprise you at all? Um, I mean, obviously, besides the first two picks, I think they, they, they covered those pretty well. Um, I think the one that did not surprise me at all, which a lot of people thought was, you know, a lot of things were going to happen around the fourth pick. Uh, I mean, the Falcons picking up, you know, Kyle Pitts, the best player in the draft. Uh, I mean, I think it's funny that he almost skated under the radar until about two weeks to the draft, and then he just shot up the draft boards. Um, and I think the Falcons needed that. Uh, if they're really going to stay competitive, for the next two, three years in Matt Ryan's, uh, you know, the end of his prime of being able to play in the league, uh, that's that's a piece that can really propel them past wherever they are right now. Because you got to remember, they were in the Super Bowl, what, three years ago now? And they didn't lose that many pieces. You know, the core of that team is still pretty much intact. Um, so you really just need a couple of pieces, win a couple of games. If you remember... Atlanta had in the first four or five games of the season, they had a couple of games they should have won. They had a couple of games that were lost by a touchdown, less than a touchdown, uh, less than a field goal even. Um, so they're really they're very close to being a, a, a potent offensive team. And then whatever you do on defense, you know, at the end of the day, it's really just don't let them score, bend, don't break. So I yeah. thought that was a great pickup for the Falcons, and uh, I thought it was exactly what should have happened. I mean, for me, the one that didn't surprise me besides Mac Jones, because my I think my answer was kind of a two-in-one thing, because it's it's one of the unique situations in your life where you're surprised and not surprised at the same time. Those things are rare. So if, someone wanted to, if anyone were to ask me to give them an example, look no further than what I just did a few minutes ago. But with that being said, the one that didn't surprise me at all was Zach Wilson. I think the New York Jets are in love with these Pac-10 Pac and Pac-12 quarterbacks, you know, from Mark Sanchez to Sam Donald. And, and this guy from BYU. You, Zach Wilson, man, he could throw a ball from coast to coast, and I'm very interested to see how he fits into the Jets system under the new coach. You know, who looks like he's more of a, a hard nosed running guy and like just block for and you know, block and push the pile forward. Um, yeah, he's a number two pick. Um, and if I had to pick a team that made out made out in the draft like a bandit, it's so weird. I gotta give it to the Jets, <laughs> you know, yeah. the, I mean, right? Hey, that's some of the probably the best top four picks I think I've seen in a draft in a while. I mean, they got some talent in the draft. 
Yeah. Uh, and, and I have to say, the reason why he's going to succeed more than a, a Sam Darnold or Mark Sanchez is because they already have two blue pit, blue blue chip prospects on that line. You yeah. know, Elijah Vera Tucker, he's going to be a pro ball guard. Yeah. And you got my uh, Makai Beckton. Beckton, who's just a mountain of a man. You know, and I, I wish think, I had that footage. Remember the footage we, we showed him running the 40 last year? Oh, yeah. Remember oh, yeah. a year ago? To, to almost to this day. <laughs> God, sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just it's just crazy to see, uh, you know, a good, forcible uh, Jets line um, in, in a football game because I really haven't. Even when, you know, it was all the way back to, uh, you know, Wayne Corbett and uh, what's his name? I can't, you know, Pennington, Chad Pennington. Chad Pennington. You know, they ne- this guy got hit more Other than anybody. Yeah. You know, so the Jets, I think, again, it comes down to philosophy. And it's the same thing with what's going on with the Dallas uh, Cowboys is their philosophy is flash. That's the same thing with the Jets. And they don't really fundamentally play the game right. So um, I wish them the best. I hope that they have great running backs behind that solid line that they have to take some pressure off of Wilson. But um, I don't see great things in the future for the Jets. I see the same old, same old. So we'll see what happens. I hope things change. Um, but I really thought their best chance would be with Todd Bowles, you know, just like it was with Rex Ryan, a defensive-minded they, they, guy. Yeah, they jumped off that chip too soon, right. man. They jumped. Yeah. Todd Bowles is a real coach, man, and he's doing good things, man. Um, yeah. I mean, he went to Tampa, right? Yeah. He won that Super Bowl. Yeah, allow me to introduce myself. My name is Bowles. Dun, dun, Bowles. Dun, dun, dun. Um, Justin Fields, Chicago Bears. Good pick, huh? Thumbs, I got thumbs up. So on that one. I think it's a fantastic pick because it's and somebody said this. It's just uh, Mitchell Trubisky 2.0, and you don't want to say that um, because Mitchell Trubisky came out of college with one year starting and very unproven. He had a, a solid year, but in no way should he have been the first quarterback off the board. You know, especially when you relook at that draft. I mean, that that Mahomes. whole class was Mahomes winning that draft. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That whole class was flipped on top, the top of his head. I think it was uh, Deshaun Watson was also in the draft. You know, yeah, it's just, yeah, uh, they got another chance at it. Uh, I think Justin Fields is a great choice. I still don't think he's going to be the best quarterback in this class. Um, but I think he has an absolutely great opportunity to succeed with the Bears. And at the end of the day, when you're drafted, and these guys all come out humble and they all talk about, oh, it doesn't matter which team I want to go for. But at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter which team because it matters about success. It yes. matters about fit. It matters about, like, are you actually going to enjoy the time that you're spending there and be successful? You know, it, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to suck if you hate it and you're successful. And it's going to suck if you hate it and you're unsuccessful. So I think that at the end of the day, there's a great fit and everything's going to work out in that essence. Yeah, man. Oh, but I think what surprised me is this didn't seem like a heavy quarter. In, in the beginning, it didn't seem like a heavy quarterback first round, and it turned out that it was, right? I, I mean, I wasn't looking at Fields to go high. I wasn't looking at Mac Jones to go high. I'm, and and the guys pretty much after Trevor Lawrence, the, the number two and number three, I didn't even – they weren't even on my radar, you know? Um, and yet here we are, first round, like six six quarterbacks or something like that, so – I guess yeah. it's still the most important position, huh? You know. So I mean, like, what do you what do you think about uh, Trevor Lawrence? You know, totally off the cuff because you know this guy has just been the perennial number one 
overall pick from his freshman year in college, you know, and I dislike the, I, I hate how that happens, you know, where uh, a guy is just going to be the savior, you know, or he's so good. Like Aaron Rodgers, we weren't hearing about Aaron Rodgers until his last year at Cal. You know what I mean? So these guys that come in with the talent early on in life, but then do they really make it? Uh, do they really continue to grow while all these big guys continue to grow around you? You know, and that's as, as a quarterback, you know, there's you can grow with your arm talent. You can grow with accuracy. You can grow with touch, but you still have to improve and grow. So, um, yeah, I just I just don't know if Trevor Lawrence is really going to work out. Um, I have but concerns. I know for I, I just well, you know, Clemson is a is a school that kind of, you know, look at what they did to Deshaun Watson. You know, Deshaun Watson, perennial talent. But in Clemson, it looked like, you know, he was just you know, the mediocre quarterback putting in the right spot, trying to get it to the guys, you know, if they let him loose in, in, in Clemson, oh my gosh, the numbers he would have put up, you know, well, me, like I'm the, not the comfortable players. comparing him to, to Watson. I mean, Watson's already a proven NFL quarterback. This man hasn't even well, taken I'm saying a, snap, back in college, a snap in the NFL. Back in college. But, like back in college, Deshaun Watson was very and meek yeah. and, eh, you know, so I think that sure. If Trevor Lawrence comes out, we're going to say that, and he does really great right off the bat or just does really great period. Then yeah, maybe Clemson's system is not necessarily pro ready, or it's, it doesn't create you know pro statistics. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know it's a very good technical system. Um, it but is. I just don't see that out of Trevor Lawrence. I don't know. Everybody knows. More I don't than either. I, do, so. I have. I'll tell you why I have concerns. When you saw Deshaun Watson play college ball, you knew he was dynamic. You knew he 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 had a winner's mentality. But even when he made the national championship game that sophomore year and then junior year or whatever senior, I think he went two years in a row if, or, or maybe three. I can't remember. doesn't really matter. But you saw an upside. You Even with all the things that he was able to do, you're like, when he, when he gets to the NFL and when he gets the right coach, he's going to do all this. He's, everything's going to level up and he's going to have a great passing arm and because he ain't got to worry about class and studying, his only class is going to be football when he graduates. So you saw this upside and Trevor, I didn't see an upside. I thought his, it's weird, I thought his high point was his freshman year. I have not seen significant improvement in Trevor Lawrence from his freshman year to his sophomore year up to this point. All up to this point where he got drafted. He basically... Um, I don't, I'm not Posted. accusing him of taking his foot off the gas, pe- gas right. pedal because it's it might be more about his ability to do as opposed to his to design, make it look easy you know? and yeah so, yeah I agree so I've concerns and that's why no yeah, I was just saying that's why I think Deshaun Watson Deshaun Watson made it look so easy um, but I don't I really don't see Trevor Lawrence as a, as a player that's making it easy you know you know he. They, He's a fast guy. They say he can run the ball, but I don't really see that that fluidity. So I don't want to get too Not much. Not in the NFL. It, <laughs> that's what I mean. I, you know, like because look, Josh Allen. Yeah, he could run, but he could run because he's a big boy, and somebody that hits into him is gonna hit into him and feel it. But you hit into Trevor Lawrence, he gonna feel it. <laughs> <laughs> I think a he sunshine from American. Remember the Titans. Every time I see exactly. him, come to the Don't NFL with a haircut, boy. <laughs> I ain't hating on the dude. If he's number one, I mean, and he ain't trying to get himself hurt. Maybe he got. I mean, we're right to say that because that's what our eye test shows us. But maybe, look, maybe he got the drop on all of us. You know, he's like saving his. For you sure. know, he ain't trying to play in no national championship game and. 
someone break his leg off and he and, and kiss all that money goodbye. So I mean, so well, I mean, just to be fair, mm-hmm. I will say, you know, when I saw Joe Burrow coming out, a little undersized, good arm, reads the field well, I knew right off the bat he was going to be a superstar at the NFL. And level. We still so, believe that, and you know, that's you know, so call eye test whatever you want to call it. I saw RG three, and I was like, this guy cannot last, cannot last. So I don't. It doesn't really matter. All it took was like, the game what, against what, the Ravens. Say. It's all an opinion, but you know, yeah. at the end of the day, man, I just see what I'm seeing. I'm calling what I'm calling. There it if is. If I'm wrong, cool. Prove me wrong. Nah, come on. If you don't see it, don't say it. This is what we see, my man. True. Yeah, man. Hey, we'll re- revisit some of that on quick question. We got some questions, uh, some thumbs up, thumbs down, um, draft picks, and this and that. So let's move on to topic two. Topic two, we go to mixed martial arts. We go to the U. Specifically, we go to the U.S. UFC. Um, there is kind of an oversaturation of matches where I have to pick and choose in a 24-hour day or or a 48-hour weekend. Uh, the amount of matches that I can match it, uh, um, watch and still. At the same time, still cover the WCCs, which I covered this weekend, cover Pac-10, cover the big whatever. I mean, I was literally doing this night and day and still barely only had enough time to watch the main card. So um, the only thing I can say is Prohaska is a problem. I mean, Dominic Reyes tagged him with every with everything he had, and this dude just kept walking forward. It was like Conor McGregor on steroids. It really looked like if Conor McGregor just blew up and got a little bigger, his the way he extends his his extension and his reach is very Conor esque. Because you had this, we had this conversation with me about not about having reach, but knowing how to use it, and the way he gets in and out. I mean, his regular jabs or whatever are equal to somebody's bad intention shots, you know? And what a, man, that's, fight. Dana gave that fight of the night, or whoever gave that fight of the night, well-deserved. So your your thoughts on that before we get to the question, Prohaska? Did you get that to That was him? one of the most fun fights I've seen in a very long time. Hands Two guys down. just getting after I mean, that's right up there with uh, Adesanya Gastelum for me. Uh, right up there with Robbie Lawler and... Uh, and what's his name? Uh, Rob McDon- uh, McDonald. Yep. Uh, I mean, that's right up there. Yeah, Rory McDonald, yep. Yeah, I mean, that's right up there. I mean, just beating a dude up. I Like, <laughs> this is the funniest thing about that fight. I was I was tired after the first round watching that fight. You're exhausted. I was like, well, I looked at the clock and I was like, that was the first round? That felt like the fourth round. You so, kind of knew man. it wasn't going to make it to five. No, a knew, Yeah. That could have been a three-round fight, and I would have told you it wouldn't have gone three. You know what's like, crazy? Like, that pace is crazy. As much as he was getting beat up, when he, he actually when he actually stunned Prohaska and chose to go for the him. guillotine, I thought that was a mistake. He leaned back with the guillotine. I mean, if, yeah. he, if there were 30 seconds left, like let's say there's like 30 seconds left and you you tag him and the guy's going he went immediately for a takedown because he knew he got tagged yeah, and he hugged he up on his leg and he the guy and Reyes saw him giving his give him his neck and Reyes has got a pretty good guillotine but once you realize you don't have it in you got to body turn or break the guard and use the guillotine to get back up or do something but if right. it's 30 seconds left burn your arms out dude as much as you can and 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 at least steal the round because it looks like. At least looks like to the judges he got saved by the bell. Like if you got a guillotine at the end, but 
sp- ends with a spinning back elbow, causing Reyes to face plant. Now, Reyes lost three in a row. Now, people are quick to say, oh, he lost three in a row. He sucks. No. John Jones, okay? That was a match I thought he won. All right? And then um, Blakovich for the belt. These are The higher you get up there, the more you're going to be playing 500 ball with your win-loss record. So this dude don't suck. He just he, he yeah. had three matches where, well, Blakovich just caught him. Everyone gets caught. But this was, this dude's a problem. Do you think he places Bukovich next? He's, I mean, he's five. Reyes is three. Um, Teixeira, Glover Teixeira is number one. I I mean, he's been fast-tracked up the rankings pretty pretty steadily. Because he was a champion. I remember him fighting. Yeah, he was a champion. Yeah, but I remember him fighting some other guys, like, pretty, pretty low level. So, I know they want to get him up there. Um, he's, he was, even he was saying after his fight, he's surprised how fast it's gone. But, um, yeah, I mean, and this is what I was going to say too about later about, uh, you know, some fights that should be happening this year is that just because these guys are two guys and maybe they don't have the pay-per-view buys or, you know, have that, that clout yet, just put them in the ring together. It's still a good fight. Yes. Make that happen. Make their name like have them have a good fight, and then you could sell the trilogy. But Cause, like, yeah, because that's what that the UFC delivers that boxing doesn't. Right, and I, I hate that we have to talk about what we're about to talk about. Should he have to fight somebody else to fight the champion? He ready right now, you know, like because he ready to beat Blahovish the way that you know only probably a couple people can, which is just through action. You know, and I think he's going to get in and out, touch him here, touch him there, down low, up top. The thing is, is Prohoshka, he gets hit. And if you get hit with Blahovich, you done. You know, so that's a that's a Polak that hits hard, boy. That's a Polak. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a that's a big dude. So at the end of the day, uh, I think it would just be a fun match to watch. And uh, I don't I don't think Dana White really likes Blahovich. Um, I don't really think he's an exciting fighter for him, so I think that he's going to try to get him out of there any sh- any shape, any fashion. Um, and, and yeah, and so Rob, uh, be, be, before we get to our actual question, it's not a uh, a new thing for Dana to give someone who is a champion in another organization a fast track, like right, like Nick, Nick Diaz. Nick Diaz was supposed to face G- GSP until he he no showed on the pressers, right? That's why that didn't happen. And he ended up fighting Carlos Condit for the interim anyway. That was his second match. He, BJ Penn was like a last minute sub, but that was a whooping. BJ Penn is a natural 155 fighting Nick, Nick Diaz, who could fight at 185 or 170. So, so um, Gilbert Melendez, right? Got a match immediately from Strikeforce against Anthony Pettis. Um, Jose Aldo, Jose Aldo was crowned the champ coming in. They didn't have one, as was Ronda Rousey. So it's not, you know, um, when they bought Pride, Rampage Jackson got a, a, uh, an immediate match against Chuck Liddell, you know, and Dan Henderson got an immediate match, you know. So, I mean, it's and, not... And Michael Chandler is getting that match up against uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Oliveira for the championship now, too, so... Yeah, it's going to be a good one. I'm, I'm really... Mm-hmm. it's. I didn't think it was going to be a good one uh, a couple of years ago because Oliveira, I didn't think that highly of him, but Oliveira, since he went back, he came to 155, man. He's, he's the real deal, man. I mean, that was a very impressive win over Tony Ferguson, I know. Right. You know, um, so, the question, are you our, our UFC question... Not MMA question, UFC question, is we have to 
come up with three matches that are a must. Three matches that have to happen before the end of 2001. Rob, I'm going to go first. I'm going to go to the lower weight classes. And I think Sean O'Malley and Dominic Cruz have to happen. I know it's a big step up in competition for Sean O'Malley, but... Um, in the entertainment business and certain people who, who promised to deliver that asked for that match. Um, like nobody else is excited about fighting Dominic Cruz. <laughs> right? Pick up the phone yeah. and say yes. Um, little chatter on social network. You know that always generates fan interest. But I'm very interested in a guy like Dominic Cruz who's, who, who, who slips. Who slips in and out. Who um, changes levels and can take down people. And, and as stronger than he looks. You know, he just mm-hmm. looks like a guy who should be in the business suit. But his his wrestling is really, really good. His minute, you know, leg minute trips, his his power double. He's a complete a complete one thirty five. So I'm interested in seeing O'Malley against Cruz. Who you got, Rob? Well, my first one, I'm gonna go with the big boys. Uh, now that Nuganu kind of took care of his business, he's got to take care of his business. You know, you got to put that big man Derek Lewis in front of him and see who comes out. Because at the end of the day, you know, Derek's saying he's ready to swing. Ngannou. That's crazy, though. <laughs> if, you listen, if, you, if you go to that fight, neither one of those guys have really had a fight like that. Like, they really were a rock and a hard place for each other. And, I mean, Derek Lewis, yes, he's, he's, he's not been able to throw before many a times. But that was like he was almost ready to throw as soon as the other guy was ready to throw. Like, he's ready to counter. Um but you know you got to be you, you got to use that aggressive defense you know so i think it'll be a really interesting fight they got some making <laughs> up to do too they fought before and it was total 27 total strikes thrown between the two of them in 25 i mean you would you would never think minutes. with two people with with a with a right hand that can sh- or both hands that can sh- that can stop a truck <laughs> you know would have a staring contest for 3 minutes i mean dana Dana, I haven't seen Dana that disappointed since Anderson Silva, Damian Maya. You know, Dana even Dana refused to put the belt around him. You know, I mean, Dana, you don't want to do your job now. But um, yeah, that's a must. And by the way, that's gonna happen. That's gonna happen. And um, they're they're trying to find a contract. If not, it's it's not happening already in August. Um, they were in July or August. So my second one, or our third, is Corey Sandhagen and Peter Yan. Going back to the lighter weight classes, I really want to see that match. I like that one, and that's all I need to say. San Hagen would have would have fought for the title, but he got finished early by Aljamain. Aljamain just caught him by surprise. Came came like a house of fire. Wound up on top of him and then submitted him. And San Hagen, who didn't tap, just went out. Um, because <laughs> that's the kind of ridiculous study is. I mean, some I mean, dude, sometimes just tap. I know you know being a man and this and that. You know, I mean. Especially, well, maybe not a blood choke, but like, you know, some of these arm bars and this and that. Sometimes just tap because if you don't, you're out from you're out for a year, you know. So and then you might not get back to that place you were, you yeah. know. That's injuries are yeah, man, right? Real things. Yeah, sometimes I mean, nothing wrong if you got caught. If someone caught you in this position where there's there's no way out on time without risking severe harm. So, Rob, that's our combined three. You have any more? We were just we were just combining for three. Oh yeah, I gotta get one more in. Um, Please, Shevchenko and Nunez, stop playing with us. Is the, the easy, easily the best women's fight of all time. 
Just yeah, set it up, gotta be three. make it happen, and put it at a neutral facility where mm-hmm. people don't <laughs> change the, the fight, you know, change the card. Like, we got to have your best refs, your best referees, because this is a real-time best-of-all-time women's fight. It really is. I don't see any, any, any future women coming up that look like Shevchenko or Nunez. No are, one even on a horizon. No. Certainly not in those weight classes. Not at 125, 135, certainly and not 145, which are still And they're, they're cleaning still together. those places out. It's actually bad for the game that they're not fighting each other because Nunez against anybody is just utter domination. Shevchenko against even the best opponents. Like uh, Nunez hasn't even fought, and I'm not trying to be mean, but she really hasn't fought any high-name, high-level opponents recently. They've all been you know, kind of out of the woodworks, uh, they've earned the chance, but they haven't. Re- they're not really established fighters. Like Andrade is an established, dangerous fighter, yep. and Shevchenko shut her down and made her look like simple business. Yeah, that so, was. I mean, I'm sorry. I'm just testing a headset. But you good, dude? I've never seen. I've never seen Andrade manhandle like that. I know she's going up in a weight class, but she was always a heavy uh, 115. You know what I'm saying? And every and if you saw her with the weigh-ins, she looked like a fish to water. She looked like that's the that's good. I just tested the headset. That looks like a division she belongs in. So, and everyone thought Shevchenko would get a run for her money because this girl could close the distance. And Shevchenko not only beat her, but she beat her in a way to prove a point. This girl's yeah. a wrestler. She's strong. Watch this. I'm going to take her down. I'm going to have side control. I'm going to trap her arm with my legs, trap her other arm with my shoulder, and put her in a crucifix and use my free hand to beat her to death with it. El- That's what, what I'm saying. What? The fist ain't hard enough? How about these elbows? How about these elbows? And I'm like, yo, please. You know, don't wait for her to get knocked out. Sometimes if someone's in a checkmate position, stop the fight, dude. Yes. Stop the fight. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I was. Yeah, I, I had to say because man, Shevchenko looks better than ever, and Nunez, you know, she looks good, but she's still the same fighter I've seen. You know, Shevchenko is, is is evolving, and what you see in the fight game is that the player who stays still eventually will get taken out, and the player that evolves. She know, is the only fighter on the roster that has given her a run for her money and a, and a fight. Well, the first fight was three rounds, and a lot of people thought Shevchenko won. But I thought Amanda won the first two and, and you know, kind of wrote, um, escaped. You know, I mean, if that was a five-round fight, it might have been different because the Nunez's endurance wasn't what it is now. She's cha- She has championship endurance. Um, then the second time they fought five rounds, I, I mean, going in three rounds, I'm asking my girl, I'm like, who's winning this fight? And I'm like, I just don't know, you know. So they're all close fights. I mean... The only other person that gave Amanda was a run for her money was Kat Zingano, who's actually in Bellator. Kat Zingano actually beat her, stopped her. So Yeah, but again, I think so that's a different ago. Amanda Nunez, you know. 100%. Um, that was um, the one that gassed. That's, that Amanda Nunez gasses in the third round. This one, this Amanda Nunez is, is championship five-round ready, but so is Valentina Shevchenko, man. So, yeah. dude, I got I got to get one more. I, I really, really got to get one more. I would like, well, this isn't obvious as obvious. I have to see the rematch between Kamara Usman and, and our guy Kobe Covington. Yeah, I already Watching got those it two down. beat the living hell out of each other. Watching two wrestlers have a gentleman's agreement uh, to not take each other down. And 
He has to. I mean, there was a post-fight interview after he beat Woodley. He just kept saying, I broke your face. Covington had a whole dialogue, a whole um, a soliloquy, uh, a whole bunch of things to say planned in his head. And all uh, Kamaru Uzman, Uzman had to say was, I broke your face. Like, what, what are you talking about? I broke your face. Wait till it's right till you're in the cage. Oh, my God. That has to happen. That has to happen because he ain't wearing a MAGA hat no more. <laughs> he can, he can, I mean, <laughs> he got to, he got to get, I mean, look, Covington can win that. I mean, anyone can get caught. He can win that. Will he win it? I pick Kamaro again, but I think just for my own gratification, I got to see Kamaro fight this guy again. I think yeah, Kamaro will sure. self correct, just like well, he see, did with me, Masvidal, right? He self corrected. You know, you think you could beat me? Fine. Let's do it again. It's probably going to be worse. And, and he's been right. I don't think I think Kobe is the absolute worst matchup for for I mean Kamaru Usman is the worst matchup for Kobe Covington because the only thing Kobe can do is tire you out or you know punch you to death and there's no way I see Kamaru Usman getting manhandled in between a transition from getting up to getting down you know how you know I mean you see Kobe fight and he always gets these you know, the fighters like in a Khabib kind of stance where they're half you know one knee down one knee up against the cage. And he's just kind of, you know, peppering him with punches. That's the most offense that I really see out of Kobe Covington, other than activity. And, you know, like he really doesn't wind up in his punches. He really doesn't hit anybody. So I don't I don't even think that Kamar Uzman can get clipped in that in that fight. You know, there's really no power behind Kobe Covington's shots. So mm-hmm. I just don't see any possible way unless he slips in a head kick or, you know, he does some, you know, a jumping knee. Again, that's what Prohaska was doing the other night, and he does that a lot where, you know, these guys are athletic. They should just be throwing knees up the middle, throwing punches. Like, he, he Prohaska is a problem, an absolute problem. Um, but, yeah, I don't see Kobe Covington win unless he gets super creative with his, with his offense. Man. And even then, he don't really have the power. Rob, I'd like to close out MMA with this. There's three things you're never going to see in your life, okay? A middle-aged Asian because they're young until they're old. They're, they're, I mean, if they're 40 or 50, they still look young, and then one day they're old, okay? A Mexican begging for spare change, the hardest working people in, 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 in the world, certainly in the United States of America. I've seen plenty of black and white people beg for spare change. I ain't never seen a Mexican beg for no spare change. The third thing is an African that gets tired. <laughs> okay? Every person I met in all any of those 54 countries, uh, from Seydou to West Ghana, Africa, to Shamsu, to um, uh, Israel Adesanya, who's Nigerian-born, but New Zealand or a different product, uh, to Kamaru Usman, to... to in Ghana, even when he lost to Stipe, wasn't tired. He was just checkmated. He was gassed a little bit, but you're not going to, I mean, those are the three things you're not going to see in, 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 in our lifetime. You know, if you see him, that's one of them unicorns. You take him to the lab, you examine him. You know, this is where I could allow my stereotype and my little prejudices to, to, to alter a little bit because I talk all this nonsense right now. But, but just the same, I'll, I'll leave MMA with that and we go to the world of beach volleyball we're going to beach volleyball because it's our wheel house <laughs> so got a lot to talk about we got um actually first let's announce all of the division winners florida state won the division they beat lsu they're going to the ncaa's but so is lsu as the third and the and the third and fourth seat um us ucla beat usc to to secure the back the pack 12 
Um, UCLA only has three losses at 28 and three, all three of their losses to USC. So they're respectively one and two. LMU won the WCC championships. Um, Second consecutive year, there was a COVID year last year, but 2019, they beat Pepperdine twice. And this year is more of the same. They they beat Pepperdine uh, um, again. So they're going in as the fifth seed. They were ranked fifth nationally. So they're most likely going to play LSU first. Um, Cal Poly under Todd Rogers secured the Big West, beating Hawaii. Uh, they played Hawaii three times. They got knocked into the loser's bracket and then had to face them devil elimination twice. All three duels were th- decided 3-2. So that's how it's tightly and hot contested. So the at-large bid, Stanford's in, and TCU, Hector. Hector gets in. Uh, he did a really good job this year. So congratulations to Hector. And congratulations to Stanford coach Fuller. Um, now, me Stanford getting into this playoff kind of left me curious. Like, okay, they won 20 games, but... Were they really that good? Okay. But them coming in as a sixth seed, higher than Cal Poly and TCU, I kind of had a bigger problem with that. This is what the brackets look like. And I want you to pick me a winner. I want you Um, to. Who do you like, Rob? I mean, hmm. I'm not going to pick favorites, but I I like. uh, I don't know. I like USC. You like USC? Yeah. I like USC. I, I think Dane does a really good job at like self-correcting. Um, so I'm yeah. I, I like USC too. I'm actually trying to find. I covered WCCs, right? Congratulations to John Mayer winning his second whatever, and I think he deserves Coach of the Year because you never see the rock star players, right? You you, you um that everybody else has and this and that so his ability to do more with less so finally he has more with more gotta give him the rub so this is john mayer hey we talked about process preparation we talked about doing it the hard way two years ago uh so you can do it the easy way now because the hard as, as you mentioned hard ways training uh preparation physical and mental uh time in the weight room uh your thoughts on this victory over pepperdine to secure the wcc excited for the team excited for all the girls that lost their season last year you know, they got a chance to come back with five of them who, who lost their senior year. And they yeah. got to be out here and they got to compete. And they, uh, they really earned it. It was cool. He uh, who uh, lost her senior year, she got to get the win for us. Uh, so really, really excited for them. And uh, it's not easy to win a, you know, a conference championship. And, uh, no, it isn't. <laughs> uh, it was stressful, and, and, but we found a way. Yeah. Like, like you said, your last season got shut down by the pandemic. So I'm sure someone like you uh, used this as an opportunity to get better. Uh, be better versions of yourself. What were some of the things between last season and now that you saw significant improvement in the Paris? Maybe highlighting one or two players. Something I know you're not comfortable doing, but I'm putting you on the spot. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, Savannah Slattery, her and Jesse Pritchard formed a really, really good team together. You could see they're, they're, uh, they were played under a lot of pressure there. We went until all the way to the 30s, but... Uh, what an exciting match. Yeah, they... Uh, they're just they get the best out of each other, so they you know they know how to do that. I think they're the best uh, pair three in the country. Yeah, I think they only yeah. lost like what two matches, yeah, or something like yeah, that. A head scratcher against California and um, just about everybody. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they've been good. So they've they've been a real uh, strength in our lineup. Two seniors, so that's been cool. Yeah. John, congratulations Thank and good you. luck going the Gulf Shores. Yeah. You deserve it if yeah. anyone's earned it. Thanks. Okay? We're just gonna focus on um, playing our best, no matter what. Whoever is on the other side, it doesn't matter. We're just focused on each other. 
So you got uh, Gulf Shores coming up. Uh, you had a lot of opportunities in the previous years, and here you are in your graduate year going to where you feel you deserve. Um, some of your outlook against some of the competition that you know you're going to be going against. Yeah, I mean, we're going to take every game one, at, one team at a time. Um, we wanted to make the tournament this year, but we want to win the tournament. We know that we've worked super hard to get there, so we're going in and we want to win. We're not we're not satisfied with, with just going. Hey, congratulations. Athlete of the year here. Yes. <laughs> Athlete of the year. Hey, congratulations. Your physical and mental preparation, that's the hard way, made today the easy way. Congratulations. Thank you guys. so much. Cool. Yeah, so congratulations to LMU, you know, uh, She's a grad student, so I, I was the director of operations, and I was there in 2018, and I've seen her as a sophomore and just watch her become a better uh, version of herself. So, Rob, you as an active player, you know once you go to college and once you enter your junior year, your, your high school resume doesn't mean anything anymore. <laughs> like, you look at some of these bios, a uh, four-letter winner, uh, this, per, this is first team, uh, won this for states, uh, you know, first team All-American, this MVP. And once you're in your junior year, from your junior year all the way up to your post-graduation, nobody cares. You know, and I'm not trying to be cold, but I, it's equivalent to me auditioning for, like, a play. Um, do they care what I play I did in high school? No, they don't care about my high school play. No, you know, once you're a junior, you know, whatever, you got they care about your college productions because those are professional, you know, professionally run and they're well financed, of course. But congratulations to LMU. And um, I'm with you. I think somehow, some way, USC, they, they improved their, their lower pairs. Um, Tina Granita's back, you know, um, from FIVB, Cancun. She, uh, she, you know, left the third one to go back and to, to play the Pac-12. Well-coached team. Stein Metzger, good job. You know, Jenna Johnson, you know, good, great assistant coach. Um, but my coach here is John Mayer. So, Rob, so speaking of Cancun, uh, this is for the fans. All of the fans who voted from six different groups, group sites, I asked them, what is your favorite match out of the three Cancuns? Right? Got the dogs barking about who I'm picking, right? That's yeah. right. So, Rob, these are your, are as, vo as voted by the fans, these are your top five Cancun matches. This is number five. This is Nick. That's Phil. They had to face Maul and Sorum, who's the best team of the world. And Maul, this is one of the reasons why. That man blocks. That man serves aces. He just great peel off the dig, as you see right here on the wrist away. But Phil and Nick were not going out like that. It was their best performance. I seen them perform in two years. In at least two years, Nick with the left. But unfortunately, wrong place wrong time against the wrong team so sometimes your best performance is not enough against some people and Mullinsor I'm pulling out the third set 15-13 congratulations to them that's number five Rob number four that's Rebecca that's Anna Patricia and that is the great incomparable Kerry Walsh this one went to three sets, two evenly matched teams as Kerry puts one down on an open net. Little bit of controversy when the game was tied. There was a ball that Kerry thought was out. She really kind of gave the referee a tongue lash, and there's the replay. That ball's clearly out. That kind of cost some teams their match, but Kerry and Brooke hung in there. That ball was out for real, and they scored the big upset over the number three team in, in the world. This is number three. That's Sharif. That's Ahmed. That's Qatar. Facing the best team in the world, Malin Sorum. I got a whole bunch of highlights, but I only needed two. This is set point opportunity for number one. 
Mall closes up shop on a nice rally. And this is match point opportunity. Bouncer off the head. Recovered by Christian. Christian. Sorum's one cross court. 22-20, 21-19. Winners 2-0. And the first meeting in the finals. This is number two. That's Agatha and Duda. That's Artacho and Clancy. Down one set to zero. Down 18-12 in the second set. The Aussies come back. This is set three. This is tight situation ball. This is 11-11. That ball was called in. And they survive. This is match point. Duda. Cut back. Line. Out. That's the match. No. The ref calls in. So that's two breaks. Given more breaks than Lindsay Lohan in court were the Brazilians. And now she's like, what the heck do I have to do to win the match? And the referee's like, ah. This time trickles into the net. So, so do their hopes. The Aussies win their first in Cancun on their third try. Winners. Two sets to one, 16, 14. She can't believe it. That girl looks like Miranda, which goes to number one. This is a unanimous number one, Crab versus Crab. This is a night game and great highlights to actually decide. This is 26 up in a game of 21. Nobody wanted to give up the goods. This was one of the 10 foot line. Gibb finishes at the 10 foot line. One of the crabs crabs, the other crabs doesn't crab, and Gibb is like, I'm out of here. There's a block, great cover, but an even better bring back for a free ball situation. Big mistake on Gibb's part, but dodged the bullet because they did not execute their set. That is the end of the first set, 28-26. This is match point. This is everything you need to know about this match. That's cross court. That is Gibb, Jake, Shaggerdig. Gib, should I say. Free ball. Match point. Trevor says, this time stay down, little brother. Trevor, winners. Try, winners. 15-13, and that's my number one pick. And those are your top five Cancun matches of the three-week tournament of the FIVB four-star. Rob, what an exciting week, man. It was, it was a great week to be a volleyball fan. It was a great week to be a volleyball coach. It was a great week to be a volleyball player who's also a fan. I'm a commentator uh, and a fan. It's fantastic weekend. So my question to you, there's always one that I left out. What was your one? Uh, it would just be uh, when the Australians beat Alex in, uh, Alex in um, April. Because, um, again, I think they're 1A, 1B with Canada. Um, so yeah, it's great to win the tournament and, uh, you know, win the tournament's really important at that time, but for the future going into the Olympics, you know, it's really important to get big wins against these big teams because those are the teams that you're going to be facing and only those teams, you're not going to be able to get rolling against some easier teams and then be able to face those big guys. You got to face them from the pool play to the crossovers into the, uh, you know, final round of 16, 32, 16 and eight. So no, nah, no doubt. Yeah, listen, hey, that first time that they beat them in the first tournament, I thought that was sending a message. But when they did it the second time in that third tournament, the first one was my favorite one, too. Uh, but the, the third one wasn't really much my favorite because the scores weren't even close. It was it was 15 and like 12 or something like that. And and it wasn't sending a message anymore to them. It was just like business as usual. We, we You know, it's nice that we got this victory, but we got bigger fish to fry. And surely they did. And that resulted into them winning the first um, their, their first of the three. So... My favorite team in Cancun was Agatha and Duda. They got one medal for each each whatever. They got the bronze, the first tournament, the gold, the second one, and the silver, the third. My favorite men's team, got to go with Mullen Sorum, but God, my heart 
my heart goes to Qatar, man, watching them dudes do their thing. Come on. Did they not did they not earn the love and respect and recognition from the people who don't who do not get a chance to see them play? Um, right? Absolutely. Yeah, no doubt. So so ladies and gentlemen, the winners of the grass the the beach tournament, the, they called it the Clash, Grass Threes Tournament. Heavily favored to be won by Evan Corey, Cody Caldwell, and Andy Banesh. But after losing twenty five or twenty one to twelve, the local boys came through and won at the end. Those local boys are Brett Anima, Caden Nepper, and John Johnny. You say it with me because you met him in Long Beach. Luchten. Luchten. Perfect. These are the three winners. I actually had a chance to talk to one of those winners, and here it is. Uh, but kind of after the first set, we just kind of settled down and decided we had to go with more aggressive serves to get them out of system. Otherwise, it was going to be another 21-12 to 12 game. So we came out. Caden uh, uh, was on fire with his jump serves, and I decided to get a couple jump serves out, and Brett was just working on placement with his float serves. Um, everyone knows how to hit, blocking, you know, pretty good out there. So that's what we needed to lock into, come back, and take the next two from them. What was something that you guys did in game three that helped that you thought put you over the top? Was there a particular one or two players or just or just a rhythm that that, that um, the series of plays? I think it's it's probably gonna come down to Caden serving and Caden and, and Brett, they're they played together for a while now and their connection is just it's unreal. Um so I mean every team we played all weekend they knew Brett was probably getting ninety percent of the sets and I learned very quickly that my job was just to focus on Sarah receive. So pretty much the game plan, I, I got Sarah majority of the time too, because my Sarah receive can be very shaky at times. Um, so I just tried to dial in on that and Caden and Brett, they just, they had the connection going. So that's really what carried us. Yeah. Hey, like they said about the 2008 Olympic gold medal team, great systems beat great, great, um, great players. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was just, it, all in all, it's just a great time. We walked in there. I mean, us included, we didn't expect to win. We just were there to have fun, battle, and kind of show people what we got. But um, it, it was a good weekend for us. Johnny has to be the most liberating feeling in the world, right? <laughs> Not caring if you yeah. win or lose and then win. John, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jason. Cool dude, man. Cool dude. You said you might, uh, met him or uh, played with him at, uh, at some point? Yeah, once, when once I was younger in uh, high school. We played on the same club team. He was a couple years younger than I. But, yeah, good guy. I've seen him a couple of times over in, uh, like, for Nationals, you know, like, five years ago and stuff like that. I mean, me being all the way out here, it's not. I don't see him all the time. I actually know uh, Brett as well. I played with uh, Brett in, in uh, Long Beach City College before cool. he went to, I believe it was, Concordia. Yeah. And then uh, on to up, onwards and upwards. So, yeah, you know, small world volleyball is. Yeah, it is. Big up to these guys. Congratulations on the victory. Uh, just a fun, overall fun day. Um, AVP kind of did it again with with grass. Uh, uh, thank you, Kevin Knight, for actually brokering the deal. The man who knows people and arranged the meeting. I got a chance to talk to um, to him and some other people, and I got a chance to watch the entire match, which thanks to Evan Corey, the live stream um, his, his 1080p, man. The, the kid is, as far as getting his brand out there, man, he's, 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 he's doing the right thing. He's like a mini me if I were an active player, right? I'm like, I'm like retired and I'm doing it. So, so great job, everybody. And that's the end of volleyball. And now we go to our next topic. Rob, I bring you to shame or not to shame. Shame, shame. 
Shame. Shame. Shame. That and that. Rob, what's up, man? What's up? <laughs> what happens when you tech your own show. Rob, to shame or not to shame? Uh, the NCAA's in Gulf Shores said with student athlete safety at the forefront during an ongoing COVID-19 pandemic, public ticket sales and media will not be allowed on site for the championship. Shame or no shame? Uh, I mean, shame because uh, they had done it the weekend before. I think the real shame is that they had done it the weekend before or two weekends before. Um, you know, Alabama is not the greatest place uh, at the moment. Um, in, in the regards to keeping those uh, guidelines up. Um, and it's, it's difficult, you know, when you have, you know, that high heat, you know, you have people that want to get into air conditioned areas, it's going to be a closed area. So uh, I just think it's difficult um, before we understand more, um, before we understand where the vaccinations and all these things are going and what happens to people getting readmitted or that uh, can get it again. Um, I just think there's too many questions out there. Uh, and, and I have to say that no shame for now, but I think it's a shame that they made, they're making two different decisions uh, on two different weekends. Yeah. And honk the horn, boy. All right, so Rob, it's like this. Rob McLean, if Alabama's home football games had nobody, no fans and no media, I would have said no shame. Um, and that's an NCAA team, okay? That's not a professional team. and SEC is not its own league. It's NCAA. If the NCAA didn't have fans inside their stadium for March Madness or media, I would say no shame. But now you have beach volleyball, which is a two-on-two event where only tennis and golf are, are, are the only two safer sports to play in an outdoor environment where the wind blows COVID out of your way against ath with athletes that are not only inoculated, with not only athletes that are not only tested uh, um, rigorously. You're trying to tell me that you can't have fan and media participation in a sport like that? Honk the horn, boy. Shame. Shame. I mean, come on, man. Did you see uh, half of Alabama's games last year? And that's when the pandemic had a spike. <laughs> come on. And everybody's like, yeah. no, but people are messaging me like, Jay, don't blame Alabama. Blame the NCAA. I am blaming the NCAA because the NCAA said it was okay for Alabama to do it, you know, and, and, and SEC teams to do it. I, we know what it's about, Right. And money, 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 money. Look, the biggest lie and truth is that the NCAA is supposed to be a money-making business. No, the reality is it is a money-making business for two big sports, okay? Now, what it's supposed to be is supposed to be a leadership development thing, you know, and a fellowship thing for college athletes, okay? Now, Division One, the higher division is going to generate interest to fans, and, of course, it's going to, um, you know, the money's going to follow that. So very, very disappointed. Very, very disappointed, you know? I mean, yeah. you think January 6th is bad, man. I mean, try try having a whole bunch of people, you know, UFC, USC uh, followers say they can't go to that game, you know? So, or LSU. 
right? I'm, 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 I'm sure they're pissed too. So, sneaky team, man. If they won, I wouldn't be surprised. They're top heavy. Kristen mm-hmm. Nuss is a problem. Taryn Cloth is a problem. That's the, their pair of one, who, by the way, have not lost a set in beach volleyball this year. Not a set. So, so if you see a, on the schedule, they lost 4-1. <laughs> Guess who the one was, Rob? <laughs> All right, Rob. Enough for shame and no shame. Enough for beach volleyball. We got to go back to another, other, our other subject matter. Excuse me. It's called Quick Question. Quick Question. Lola. Rob, quick question. Who is more likely to start as a rookie this year besides Trevor? Who's who's gonna uh, go game one? Najee Harris for sure. Yeah, I go um, Jets quarterback. They ain't got nobody else. The guy <laughs> from BYU. I go with him. They right. There's no, there's no one to fall back on. So, right. I mean, Sam Darnold is um, Carolina. I think. Yeah. So, quick question, Rob. Have the Bucks changed your mind about uh, uh, from beating the Nets over the weekend about coming out of the? Um, the um, NBA East? Uh, no, because, you know, they're still, even if they're healthy right now, which they still are not, uh, they haven't been enough together enough. So, no, nothing's going to change my mind about that. Yeah, haven't changed my mind either. I mean, yeah. you, ain't, they ain't, you ain't beating that Nets team four out of seven times. <laughs> um, no. Quick question, Rob. Do we still pick L.A. to win the West? Bum, 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 bum. Uh, honestly, I think so. Um, just because the West, as good as the records are, I don't think they're playoff strong. You know, um, they're all relatively new teams. Uh, being that the Nuggets, you know, the team that has, you know, their top player injured or the top scorer injured, uh, being the most experienced team in the top five teams. So I don't really see it the rankings being that important this year um, because the Lakers really should be the one seed if they have all their players healthy. So again, if they get back and they have their players healthy, they might even have an easier playoff run than, than, than other teams. So uh, than if they would have the, the number one spot with the bullseye on their back. So I, I, agree uh, with I don't you. think so. I agree with you. Yeah, I, I think, think so. they're the one team that doesn't even give a damn where they're seated. They, they, they know to be the best, you got to beat the best. And in, in, in any order and how they beat the best. I know certain teams, you want to play easier teams that generate momentum and get your stuff together. But that that's a team hot 97 rhyme ready now. They can beat the number one seed tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. well, healthy four out of seven times. One, first right. round if they have to. Though Steph Curry is a scary guy to be in the playoffs. Um, it's true. Quick question. Should the Packers trade Rodgers? Absolutely. I think they should have him years ago. But, um, yeah, they clearly have shown that they're waiting for life after after, after Ryan. I mean, after Aaron. And uh, it's their fault that it came too early. But cut your cut your losses. Get King's ransom for him and be off. I don't, I don't, same thing with Deshaun. Just get over with it. You, just, you saved me time when you said King's ransom. Uh, and I say yes. Next one. <laughs> Quick question. Which team in the NFC least, the NFC East, has improved from the draft? I'm actually gonna, oh, I mean, I'm actually gonna put up the um, their four first rounds. Where is it? Right here. Yeah, I mean, it's tough to say. I think that, um, 
I think the Giants had the best, but you know that could be uh, bias. Uh, I think the Cowboys did the smartest. So who did the best? Probably, probably the Cowboys. Yeah. As, as terrible as that sounds, because you know they got the pieces that they needed to create a better defense. And everybody's been saying, "Oh, you know, who cares about the offense? Who cares about the offense? Because the defense sucks so much." Like we've been saying. Bend, don't break. If they just create a bend, don't break defense, that offense is pretty unstoppable at the moment. Um, so all you got to do is just keep them under 20. That's it. <laughs> all right. I got, I'm got. i just going to pick it with one word, but I got I to gotta drink and spit. Mm-hmm. Cowboys. Yeah. <laughs> uh, quick question. Juan, Juan Archuleta versus Anthony Pettis. Bellator. You have you seen? Have you had a chance to see Archuleta fight? Not really. We have a big sample size on, size on Pettis, but I think Archuleta's a problem. I pick Pettis. Um, Anthony Johnson against Jose Augusto. Augusto sub super subbing for Romero. Romero's out, so that's too bad. I, I'm, uh, I was salivating over seeing ready. I mean, right two guys. Oh, yeah. I go. Uh, I go Anthony. I go Rumble. And um, I'm looking forward to my, watching Michael Venom Page fight again, no matter who. I, and the name is case. MVP. Yeah, it doesn't even matter. I mean, he had a setback against um, against the 170 pound champ. I forgot he uh, Lima. Doug, yeah. Doug Lima. I want to um, see him fight. Yeah, man. Yeah, he slept Page, man. He caught him because uh, Page was showing off. And if you show off against Lima, man, you're gonna get cracked. Not Diego. Diego's in the UFC. Uh, Douglas Lima. That dude's a problem, man. So. All right, so before we go, Rob, I get I got to give it up uh, to Wendy Jones of the Optimist Journal. This is a woman that keeps the glass half full. Um, as far as looking at the bright side of everything, she's one of the people that spearheaded uh, the fight to bring men's volleyball back to Stanford. I think they're voting last week or this week, and there uh, there are a lot of people that said they're going to vote yes on bringing it back, and some didn't even realize the magnitude of of, of cutting the program in the beginning. Which if they didn't realize that they they need to educate themselves or just leave that job. You're on, you're on the west side, and yet I mean you're on the west coast. You should know better. You know produced NCAA championships, or produced Olympic athletes, and they should know better. Wendy had personal investment, of course. Her son. Um, there's a freshman, he's an outside hitter, you know, she's got a, ta- a daughter at TCU, so she's a savage mom, so she's going to be at the NCAAs, um, or oh, not, not at the NCAAs, but she's going to be cheering for her daughter, but big up to her, because when I felt bad during this pandemic, every time I felt bad, she just showed up, and I'm like, do you, do you did you know I felt like this, where, where you just came around the corner, so she's always been there for me, and went, uh, guys, it's the Optimist Journal. She mostly writes her blogs. Her blogs read like a novel. And she is the secretary of making sense. She is awesome. Her podcasts are awesome too as well. She's got a lot of volleyball players, but she's got a lot of um, medical professionals, massage therapists, infectious disease specialists. Big up, shout out, Wendy Jones. He's going to be with me in New Orleans as well. So, Rob, is there anything you'd like to say to the plebs before we leave? You know, stay happy, stay healthy, yo. Rob says, stay happy, stay healthy. Let me tell you something. Rob may be right. 
And Rob may have love for all of you, but I don't have any love for all of you. In fact, I can't stand you. In fact, I'm out of here. Dude, we are an hour into a 15-minute podcast, and I know you're hungry, and I'm hungry. So I'm going to do the same thing I do every week, and I'm going to say for everybody at home, for everybody on your cell phone, your iPhone, your Droid, your desktop, your laptop, your your flat top, (laughs) for Rob, keep it. McLean, McLean, I am Jason DeBeers. God bless you. We'll see you next week, and we say so long. Come check out the Option Podcast on optiondb.com. It's also available on iTunes and Spotify and on YouTube under the NY Varsity Sports Handle. You're going to love what you hear.